Welcome, 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 everyone. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Bulletproof Entrepreneur Podcast. As you all know, every episode I try to bring on an awesome guest who's going to teach you something new that will help you grow in your entrepreneurial journey. And this episode is no exception. My guest today is John Livesey. Now, before I get into the main introduction and the bio of John, I'm just going to give you a brief taste and a little bit of a a teaser on who John is. So John is known as the Pitch Whisperer. He's a master sales keynote speaker, consultant, author, and storyteller. He teaches teams all over the world how to use the power of storytelling to grow their revenues and their businesses. He has coached hundreds of startup entrepreneurs in the art of the perfect pitch. He teaches them how to craft their pitch from the decks to the story they'll tell so that the right investor will hear the story connect with them and fund their business now guess what guys before you even get into the right room to make the perfect pitch that john will teach you how to do you have to meet the right investor or the right co-founder and connect with them in an authentic and genuine way before you're even able to get into the right room so that's why i partnered with collision conference Collision Conference is North America's biggest startup conference where entrepreneurs, thought leaders, investors, and innovators meet to showcase the latest innovations in business and technology. There's expected to be over 25,000 people that you can possibly network with and do deals at Collision Conference. The The conference itself is hosting over 600 keynote speakers over four days. So that's from May 20th to the 23rd. And it's going to be almost like a 24-hour conference because you will have morning conference as well as the night summit. So it's a program that you do not want to miss. And I know tickets are still available, but a lot of the early bird tickets that had discounts in one shape or the other have already completely sold out. And of course, a lot of the hotels that are close to the inner center in Toronto have completely sold out. So, But there's still time for you to snag some tickets, although you're not going to get a very good deal. But I would advise you that if you're still interested in getting your startup funded, this is the right place you want to be because the right people that you get to make your pitch are going to be here. I've seen over 100 VCs that are scheduled to attend to speak at the conference, and I'm sure a lot more are going to also be there trying to meet and network with the right entrepreneurs so that they can, you know, hear some good pitches that they can take back to their board and possibly invite you to speak. So if you're in the startup world, if you're in the business world and you're still thinking or you're still on the fence about coming to Collision, I encourage you not to miss this one. This is one that you will regret if you do miss it. And you can still come. The conference starts on May 20th to the 23rd in Toronto, Canada. And go to www.collisionconf.com and secure your tickets and I'll see you there. All right. And now into the podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to another exciting episode of the Bulletproof Entrepreneur Podcast. My guest today is John Livesey. John, aka The Pitch Whisperer, is a sales keynote speaker, consultant, author, and master storyteller. He's known as being the transformational catalyst who helps sales team around the world 
become revenue rock stars. His TEDx talk, Be the Lifeguard of Your Own Life, has been viewed over 1 million times on YouTube. He is also the co-founder and CMO of Quantum Ari, a blockchain real estate company. His new book, Better Selling True Storytelling, was released a few months ago on Amazon and is now a bestseller. John is the host of a successful podcast called The Successful Pitch Podcast, which is heard in over 60 countries. He's been featured in numerous articles around the world in publications like Forbes, Inc. and Entrepreneur, and he's also appeared on TV shows as an expert on the topic of how to ask for what you want and get a yes. I'm pleased to have John on the show today to tell us a little bit about himself, his business, his life experiences, and of course, how to be a better salesperson through the art of storytelling. John, welcome to the show. Thanks, Chi. Thanks for that nice introduction, too. Awesome. Awesome, John. So I alluded a little bit about your background as an awesome sales trainer and a master keynote speaker. But before you became who you are today, John, I know that, you know, you you have an origin story. You came from somewhere. So just give <laughs> us a little bit of flavor and a little bit of background about, you know, what it took to get you from your starting point to where you are today. Sure. Well, I uh, went to college at the University of Illinois in Champaign-Urbana and majored in advertising. And that was really my first passion point of looking at a story of a brand or uh, I ended up working for an agency creating commercials from movies and taking a two-hour movie and cutting it down to a 30-second commercial, you have to get the essence of a story. So advertising has always been for me a great combination of entertainment and business. And of course, that's what I do now as a keynote speaker. And then I... Um, got involved in Silicon Valley and was selling multi-million dollar mainframe computers and learned all about technology and then pivoted and went to work for, as I mentioned, an agency uh, creating commercials for movies. And then I started my career in print advertising. For a long time, I was at Condé Nast, which publishes GQ and Vanity Fair and W and Vogue and several other titles. And, um, I loved it because every month was a different magazine issue and a different vision of what the editors were talking about, whether it was art or fashion or photography. And so I would go call on advertisers like Lexus and Guest Jeans to convince them to run their ads with me versus other publications. So it was definitely a sales job. You had quotas and you had to come up with creative added value marketing ideas to supplement the ad, to bring it to life so that they could measure the success of that. And then, as you mentioned, uh, around 2008, I um, was laid off uh, when the economy went bad, as were all the other salespeople in the outside offices outside of New York. And I decided to not panic and stay calm Mm. during that process. And I said to my publisher, well, you know, everyone has to be out of the office in 24 hours, but don't you want to report saying where the ads should be running and what page and all what issues. And she goes, well, that'd be great, but everyone else is so angry, they're just storming out. And I said, I'm not going to do that. So I left the report, and you know, she little did I know that that decision would impact me positively two years later. Um, but you know, I know that feeling of walking out the door and being a little sad and a little scared and not knowing what was coming up. And a friend of mine said, you know, it's a lot like the silent movie stars and Some of those made it to talkies and some didn't. And you're going to have to decide if you're going to make it from print to digital and make that transition or not. So that mindset really helped me. And hopefully that'll inspire other people to embrace disruption. And so I learned how to sell digital ads for the Daily Beast, which is a 
website. And then two years later, Condé Nast called and asked me to come back to my old job selling both print and digital. And I said, if I'm coming back, I'm not coming back with any fear. Because I'd always had a fear of not making my numbers or the magazine going out of business. So um, that's what allowed me to come up with this big idea to do a joint celebration with Guest Jeans and W with our anniversary. And I ended up winning salesperson of the year, not just for the magazine, but for the whole company. And I thought, huh, I'm the same person, whether I'm being laid off or winning this award. So that's what inspired me to go out and help as many people as possible get off this self-esteem roller coaster of only feeling good about themselves if their numbers are up and bad about themselves, if their numbers are down or something yeah. bad is happening. Hmm. Well, great story. Great story. But now, John, let's, let's zero in on one thing. I know in 2008, a lot of people lost their jobs. The financial situation was a complete mess. Financial uh-huh. industry was just completely underwater. And, yes. you know, you must have... But you must have felt a lot of fear and lack of self-confidence and low self-esteem at that point. So how, how in your own words, you, you said, you know, you conquered the three faces of fear. So first yes. of all, tell me some of those deep emotions that you felt during those trying periods. And then what were those three faces of fear and how did you conquer each one? Sure. Well, um, as I was closing the door and leaving my office when I got laid off, I remembered that I might have lost my job, but I haven't lost my identity. Mm. And so often we get those two confused or connected. Like I'm still me. I can still figure something else out and I can still learn new skills. So that helped me a lot. Uh, And then ironically, when I was working for myself after I left, so I got laid off, went to the Daily Beast, got rehired, one salesperson of the year, got promoted and then decided to leave and go work for myself as and helping people with their pitch because I realized a lot of tech people yep. don't know how to tell a good story and that's how they can't get clients and they can't get their startup funded. And somebody said, well, you know, we also need introductions to investors once we have a good pitch. And I said, I don't know how to, I don't know any, I don't know how to do that. And someone said, well, what if you start a podcast and you start interviewing investors, then you could make those introductions and get paid for both. And I said, why don't I go to the moon? I was just like, I don't know how to do any of that. So those fears I had, I put some faces on them. And the first one, maybe you've experienced some of this when you started, was the fear of rejection. Yes. You know, what if I ask Kevin Harrington from Shark Tank to be on my show? And he says, well, do you have any other episodes I could listen to? And I'm like, yeah, you'd be the first. So <laughs> my solution to dealing with the fear of rejection, having been in sales for so long, is to never reject yourself. Hmm. I used to reject myself if I would pitch a client and they say, Oh, we're going with another magazine. And I thought, Hmm, I wonder if another salesperson could have gotten a yes, or maybe they're right. Maybe their product is better than mine. And if you don't reject yourself or what you're selling and just realize that that no is no for now, not no forever, mm-hmm. it really helps. And then I looked at, all right, so what else am I afraid of? Well, the fear of failure. What if I launch this podcast and spend money and time and nobody listens to it? I'll be embarrassed and And I remember someone telling me, you know, failure is just feedback. Keep going until you get a zombie idea so great it won't die. So that's how I've let go of my fear of failure. Just look at it as feedback. Mm. But the big one, Chi, was the fear of the unknown. And that almost stopped me from doing it. Mm. What mic do I buy? I know how to be a guest, but how do I be a host? Uh, How do I edit this thing? How do I promote it? 
And the fear of the unknown solution is don't go it alone. Mm-hmm. So for me, I found a business that's you know done for you podcasting. I put the interviews in Dropbox and they take care of doing all the rest. So that is my three fears, rejection, failure, and the unknown and this antidote to each one. Mm. Awesome. Awesome. All right. So now let's move into, because you've already talked about, you know, helping tech people get funding for their startups. And one of, one of the notorious things about tech people that people have stereotyped a lot, especially in in the media and on TV is that basically mm-hmm. tech people don't have soft skills. They have the hard skills. They know how to code. They can right. get in the technicalities of stuff, but they just don't have that, you know, emotional connect- connection one-on-one with different people. Now, mm-hmm. how are you able to overcome some of these biases, whether true or not, in some of these technical guys? Because, yes, they're brilliant guys, but at the same time, you know, they've not... Um, would I say fully developed this particular skill set in their lives? They specialize in one area and they're extremely good at that. And now you're saying, hey, you know what? You need to add this new skill set and you need to start thinking of things like, you know, how to structure your story, how to be empathetic to the person you're talking to, and how mm-hmm. to understand who are the different types of people you'll be speaking to and how yes. to present your message in a way that will address the needs of each particular person. Well, I love what you said about the soft skills, Um, empathy, storytelling, imagination, confidence, all of those live in the right brain and people buy emotionally and then back it up with logic. Mm -hmm. And the mistake most people make, whether they're technical or not, is thinking if I give you enough information, it'll be logical and you'll make the decision to buy from me. But people buy emotionally and then back it up with logic. So the basic example is if you're buying a sports car, they don't lead with how many miles per gallon it gets. They lead with how you're going to feel in the car, sexy Mm -hmm. and exciting. So um, I've got two examples of helping tech people turn their information into stories because people buy the transformation that a good story gives you, not the information. So when you just – Um, I worked with an architecture firm, which they're quite technical as well, and they have to pitch to get hired to remodel an airport or redo a law firm, and they were going in just showing their designs and thinking, well, this is the information, this should wow you, and you should hire us. And they had no story of why they were passionate about being architects or telling a story of another airport they helped in a way that was interesting. They just showed before and after pictures and hoped it would speak for itself. So I was able to pull out from them the emotional, what made you become, as you said to me, what's your story of origin? What made you become an architect? Mm -hmm. One guy said, well, I was 11 years old playing with Legos, and that's what inspired me to become an architect. And now I have a son that's 11. I still play with Legos. So I love it. And, And that kind of personal story helps bring it to life. And then, of course, most people have testimonials or case studies of people they helped. And that's really where the secret sauce comes in for storytelling. Mm. When you paint the picture of another client who is just like the potential client you're talking to and let them know two years ago they were struggling with the same challenges you had, here's how we help them, and then what's life like after they hire you or Mm. use your product or buy your service. And remember, in a story, it's the client that's the hero, not you. Mm. You as the salesperson are like Yoda in Star Wars or you're like a Sherpa helping people get out Mount Everest. And when people can see themselves in the story of someone you helped who is just like them, 
then the closing question becomes, does that sound like the kind of journey you'd like to go on? Mm-hmm. Which is a completely different way of closing a sale versus just, you want to buy, you want to buy. Mm. No, that's, that, that totally makes sense. And especially, you know what, uh, I'm looking at it from two ways. So you're raising money for a startup. So you have, you know, software product, physical product that you're selling, you know, somebody is going to help you create an outcome that is going to be beneficial. That'll help millions mm-hmm. of people around the world. So you want to bring them along that journey so that they can say, Hey, you know what? I supported this. I was the one that was able to help this get into the hands of so many people that has changed the way these people interact with themselves with their families and also how they are growing their business as well. And mm-hmm. people, people love those type of stories. They want to be like saying, yes, if not for, well, well I, I don't want to put it like, you know, they're proud of it, but I, I would say there's also a little bit of self-satisfaction and pride in mm-hmm. knowing that, you know, you're able to help get something into the hands of millions of people. And it's because of your support sure. that this vision exists or this thing exists in the world. So looking at it from another perspective now, um, in the book, you mentioned something called talking triggers. And I, and I hooked on that because it was mm. very important to, you know, getting the sale done. And a lot of people listening are saying, okay, maybe they've been classically trained in sales, but you know what, this storytelling yeah. thing is so new that, you know, what, we, we need like a hook, you know, something that you can use like a like a stick if you're in the in the Amazon jungle, so to speak, yeah. <laughs> to kind of help you fight. So could you elaborate a little bit more on that talking trigger and then how um, a, a, a pitcher, so to speak, I don't want to say salesperson, now, a storyteller can uh-huh. use that, can use that tool to start yes. driving the conversation towards where they needed to go. Well, I was fortunate enough to interview uh, Daniel Lemon, who's the co-author of the book Talk Triggers, mm. and in it they talk about the importance of word of mouth and having stories that trigger people to want to talk about your brand because nobody ever says, oh, I had a perfectly average lunch. Let me tell you about it. Mm. So you have to have some unexpected uh, thing, and they gave several great examples such as um, a hamburger place that would um, – hand out a deck of cards, uh, you would pick a card from the deck and that would be the card that would identify your order and they would know to look for that card and bring it to your table. But if you pick the joker, you got a free lunch and people would go crazy if they got the joker, even mm-hmm. though the lunch was, you know, what, five, 10 bucks. Um, they would post it on social media and it became people are just going there to hope they might get the joker. Uh, another example was going to, um, a water slide park. And they gave free sunscreen and free Pepsi mm. to people. And people went nuts. And, uh, and that, you know, that's how they competed against bigger parks. Mm-hmm. So cu- coming up with something that makes you memorable and that you can create what I call brand ambassadors who want to share their great experiences on social media because it was an unexpected treat is a, is a great way of generating a talk trigger. This episode is brought to you by Collision Conference. Collision Conference is North America's biggest startup conference where entrepreneurs, thought leaders, investors, and innovators meet to support new ideas, showcase the latest innovations, and discuss the issues that will determine how we will navigate the world of business and technology in the future. The conference starts May 20th to the 23rd in Toronto, Canada, and you can secure your tickets by going to www.collisionconf.com. That's www.co.com. L L 
I S I O N C O N F dot com. See you there. Now, now let's move forward a little bit from there. And two things usually happen when you go into a pitching situation or a presentation situation is either uh-huh. you've been introduced to the person and it's a warm lead, so you know there's some sort of prior relationship there that connects the two of you, or it's completely cold. And you don't know the person, you don't know their personality types, you don't know whatever. So uh-huh. in your book, you mentioned, you know, there were five crucial rungs that a person would need to climb in order to at least have a higher likelihood of success in a pitching situation. And those were the five eyes, so to speak. So could uh-huh. you please could you please break that down in as simple terms as possible so that someone listening to this will say, Hey, you know what? I actually can use that today and say let me see results by Monday morning. Yes. Well, the ladder that you refer to is going from invisible to irresistible. And much like dating, you don't jump from one to the other uh, without going through some steps. So the first invisible, you know, a lot of people haven't heard of you or your company. And so you have to make uh, considerations on your messaging and how you're approaching people. Maybe try to get a warm introduction. And then the next rung up is insignificant. And this is, oh, I know what you do, but I'm not interested. I don't need life insurance. If you're selling life insurance, that's not interesting to me or even significant. And then maybe you get to interesting. Maybe you say something to somebody that makes them say, oh, that is interesting. Tell me more. They're not ready to buy, but they're at least above the the bottom two rungs. Mm -hmm. And then you uh, say something uh, and paint a picture. Well, what if we did this? And I've literally had clients say to me, oh, I'm intrigued. I definitely want to know more. Send us a proposal. Um, and then finally you get up to the top rung, which is irresistible, where people you know, just become your big brand ambassadors and big fans. And uh, they don't care if somebody comes to them with a lower price. They're so connected to what you're doing. And you really want to nurture and keep those relationships alive. Okay. Okay. So, so John, um, you know, we've talked a lot about, you know, getting the person trained up into storytelling. Now, one of the biggest obstacles in a pitch situation is basically handling rejection, handling objections. And I know it's it's very difficult when you're trying to raise money and maybe you've got the financial model down, but you might not, let's say, have all the answers to all the questions asked because you mm. literally cannot think of every single thing of potential investor would ask you so how how would you help somebody who's dealing with take for example a situation or a question that comes up and they have no answer and it's probably going to cost them the uh the The deal yeah well i work with clients to try and make them as prepared as possible so they're not deer in headlights when they get asked a question Mm. um arthur asked that the key to success is uh, confidence and the key to confidence is preparation so you know you're going to get asked some basic questions. So you should have answers prepared, like how much does it cost to acquire a customer, um, all those kinds of things. So um, when someone asks you a question, there's a couple of tips here, Chi. One is don't get defensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, people don't ask questions unless they're interested. So shift your mindset from seeing it as an objection to a buying signal. And a lot of people don't hear the question properly because they're nervous or they just misunderstand. And people get really frustrated when you give them an answer that had nothing to do with the question. So my suggestion is if someone says, 
Um, how much does it cost to acquire a new customer? You literally answer that question with your answer. The cost to acquire a new customer is $10 based on our research of how much we're spending on Facebook ads. And then you can follow that up and say, did that answer your question or do you need more detail? Mm. So um, active listening, it has to do with rephrasing the question and then confirming that it in fact answered it. Now, the other part of your question was what to do if you get asked a question that you don't have the answer to. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a, I don't encourage people to say, oh, good question, because it implies all the other questions are bad. Mm-hmm. So try not to fall into that trap of labeling, oh, good question, and, uh, because then it, what, the rest aren't good? So it's a nervous response yes. to someone. Um, so if someone asks you a question that you don't have the answer for, um, you know, what do you project your revenues to be after year five or whatever it might be? Um, literally just say, you know, we haven't, uh, thought out the details on that yet, but it's something I'm sure we can figure out fast and get back to you by tomorrow. Would that be okay? okay. So basically approach it from honesty and openness and just, just, yeah. just, just let them know that, look, nothing to hide is just something we didn't consider. Yeah, and don't pretend to have an answer that isn't well thought out because, you know, that's part of due diligence. Mm -hmm. If you're lucky enough to get a yes, then they go through and make sure that everything you've said is true. And if it's not, then the deal's off. Mm -hmm. So don't try to pretend something you don't know or aren't. Okay. So now, John, um, this this is a little bit off topic and maybe, well, it might be on topic, but I have noticed in – in my life and in my career, that there are just certain people that seem like they are natural storytellers. You know, you mm-hmm. sit down, you you meet them at the bar, and they can just have you on the edge of mm-hmm. the seat for hours on end. And then a lot of us, yes, we all have conversation with our friends and family, but we are not necessarily as gifted as some people that are seen as naturals. So, f- looking at it from that perspective now. What are some of the other things we can do? I know we've talked a lot about pitching and raising capital and getting sales done, but in terms of just developing this storytelling skill so that it becomes something natural that we're used to, kind of like what you and I are doing on this podcast, how can mm-hmm. the average person listening to this show right now say, become a better storyteller for any purpose, whether it's talking to their girlfriends, talking to mm-hmm. their, their mom, talking to their kids, mm-hmm. whatever? Well, I always um, am amused after I give a keynote talk and someone says, oh, you're a natural at that. And it's like, well, is Meryl Streep or Tiger Woods a natural at what they do? Or do they have talent and then do the work required in the practice to keep it up? So um, I think anyone can learn a skill and storytelling is a skill. So I think even if you think, oh, I'm not good at that and I don't, I'm just not naturally talented, I don't want people to think they can't learn how to tell good stories. So a good story has four elements to it. I'm going to give you an example of a story and then break it down so your audience can start using this structure immediately Mm -hmm. for the next time they tell a story. So one of the things I do with my clients to help them with their confidence is stack their moments of certainty. They write down three or four times when they knew they nailed something, and they think about that before they go in to pitch to get funded or pitch to get a new client or hired or whatever it is they're doing. One of my clients, Martin, said, wow, that was a huge aha for me because he remembered that he was born in South America, but he grew up in the Netherlands, 
And when he turned 18, his parents took him back to South America and dropped him off naked in the Amazon jungle to survive for two weeks because in his culture, that's the rite of passage into manhood. Mm-hmm. I said, "Woo, that gives me goosebumps. <laughs> I said, what did you learn in the Amazon jungle? He goes, well, I learned how to focus, pivot, and persevere. I said, great. We're going to take those lessons from the Amazon jungle to the concrete jungle of being an entrepreneur. And when he had that pitch practiced and got in front of investors, he got his startup funded because they said, we're going to put our money on the guy that survived the Amazon jungle. He'll survive anything in the business world. Mm. So that's a short little story. It's got all the elements of exposition. You paint the picture, who, mm-hmm. what, where, when. Martin's 18 years old. I, when he was practicing, sometimes he would forget to say it's a rite of passage in his culture to do this. I said, if you don't say that, it sounds like child abuse. Mm. So you need to paint the picture so people know, you know where they are in the story. Then the problem is clearly he's naked there for two weeks. And the solutions are the three things, life lessons he learned. And the resolution is the secret sauce to a good story. What's life like afterwards? Well, he got his startup funded because of learning those lessons in the jungle. So that's the structure of starting to so anytime you're going to tell a story, use those four guideposts and make sure you have all four of them in your story and you're going to become a better storyteller right away. Awesome. Awesome. Now, John, as we start to wind down the show, you know, I have a couple wrapping up questions before I let you go. Mm-hmm. So, so one of the first questions is, you know, you're a prominent keynote speaker, given hundreds of keynotes, a TEDx speaker. You know, hired by many clients around the world. You've spoken on a lot of podcasts. Now, I know you get asked a ton of questions, but <laughs> I guess this is this is going to be a uh, an unusual question in the sense that what's the one question you've always wished people would ask you about, but have never ever asked you about? Oh boy, let me think <laughs> about that. Um, the one question that I've been asked that no one's ever asked me about, mm. I would say, um, what does it feel like to stand backstage before you give your TEDx talk? Mm. And the answer to that is, I was extremely calm. I was excited but I felt so prepared and I had practiced enough to, and rehearsed enough on the stage and gotten feedback that I knew that that was where I was supposed to be. And it had been a long time dream to mm. get the opportunity to do one. And I felt like this is where I'm supposed to be. This is my purpose to t- share this story and share this message. And, and in this case, an idea worth sharing. Mm. Okay. Okay. And looking back, you know, at the trajectory of life, all the things you've experienced, you know, what's another significant obstacle you faced in your life, and what were the lessons you learned in the in the midst of that um, struggle? Well, in addition to the ones we just described about realizing that who you are is bigger than what you do for a living, I would say the other big obstacle is really getting off the self-esteem roller coaster because mm. I was on it all the time. And sometimes you can go up and down several times in a day. So looking back, all that undue anxiety and stress about worrying about what if this happens and what if that happens and none of it happened, it's just wasted time and energy. Okay. okay. And my last question for the day before I let you go, John, 
mm-hmm. is, um, you know, right now, yes, the economy is going well. You know, things are going great, but perhaps we don't know. There might come a time when the economy will also tank again. And, you know, we have a lot of people that are about to graduate next month and mm. they will start different careers. And some of them will start careers in sales. So, you know, as I would call you a statesman in the sales game, <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what are some parting words of wisdom, you know, to to tell young people that are about to start their career, especially if they're going to start their career in the sales game, that can prepare them for the long haul, whether they come into an economy that is good or bad. You mm. know what? These are these are the key advice that if you stick to this, you'll be all right five, ten years from now, no matter what Learn happens. How, yeah. First of all, sell something you're passionate about because you can't fake that. And secondly, learn how to be a storyteller because whoever tells the best story gets the sale. Good. Now, with that said, John, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. But before I let you go, tell us a little bit more about where people can find you, find the book, and of course, subscribe to listen to your podcast, The Successful Pitch. Well, the book, again, is called Better Selling Through Storytelling. You can find it on Amazon or any of the other places you might like to buy books. Uh, It's on Audible. I narrated it. So if you like to listen to books versus reading them, you can do that. And my website is my name, John Livesey, L-I-V as in Victor, E-S-A-Y.com. And my podcast is there. It's also on iTunes. There's all kinds of articles and free content there on my website for people to download a free sneak peek of my book, watch the TEDx talk, be the lifeguard of your own life. And if you can't remember any of that and you remember the pitch whisperer, you can Google that and you can find me that way. Right, and I'll be sure to link to all that in the show notes when this episode goes live. So thanks a lot for coming on the show to share your story, John. I truly appreciate you taking the time to do this with us, with me personally, and with um, the rest of the listeners of the Bulletproof Entrepreneur Show. Thanks, Chi. Have a great show, and thanks for having me on. This episode is brought to you by Collision Conference. Collision Conference is North America's biggest startup conference where entrepreneurs, thought leaders, investors, and innovators meet to support new ideas, showcase the latest innovations, and discuss the issues that will determine how we will navigate the world of business and technology in the future. The conference starts May 20th to the 23rd in Toronto, Canada, and you can secure your tickets by going to www.collisionconf.com. That's www.collisionconf.com. I-S-I-O-N-C-O-N-F dot com. See you there. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning into the show today. If you love what you hear on today's episode of the podcast, go to iTunes and leave a review and a comment. It helps other great listeners like yourself find the show. And of course, you can always find more episodes of the Bulletproof Entrepreneur Podcast at www.odogwu.com.